Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 192. And I just started recording as well. I'm just going to do another, like, a backup um, of this because cause I'm a nervous Nelly about everything in life. All right. I do great in a global pandemic with my levels of nervousness. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, can you hear my fucking, I love her baby? Uh-huh. She sounds adorable. You can wow. hear her. Just a little bit, though. Three, I think it's fun. Two, one. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we stay at home. I am your host, Nagin Farsad, and I had no idea that a global pandemic was something I wasn't interested in experiencing. Uh, There are a lot of things that I had thought about, like extreme mountain climbing or ice picking, that I already decided, like, I don't want to experience that. But global pandemics just wasn't something I really thought much about. So thank you so much, COVID-19, for really expanding my mind. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about every angle of hashtag virus life. I don't know if that's a hashtag. It's a really dumb one. Anyway, we'll also talk about um, the Democratic primaries because democracy is still happening. Uh, Today, I have um, a very exciting panel of um, sheltered in place uh, uh, panelists. (laughs) What? 
Um, we have with us, uh, joining us for the very first time, actually, he's the host and producer of the podcast Family Ghosts. This is such a fascinating podcast where people come in with legends from their family and then the and then his crack team of investigators figure it all out and, and tell you a great story about the legends of these people's families. And, uh, and it's just a fantastic podcast that you should absolutely subscribe to now, especially that you have the time. Uh, you guys, it's Sam Dingman. Hey, Sam. Hello. Greetings, fellow shut-ins. <laughs> um, we are also joined, uh, oh, for the umpteenth time. She's a regular on this podcast. We love her. She's hilarious. You know what else is hilarious? Reductress, the website that she's the editor editor of. Um, please welcome to the show, Sarah Papalardo. Hey, hey, Sarah. Hey, how's it going? Oh, you know. <laughs> um, just to give <laughs> listeners an idea, we start, my baby is uh, downstairs, and she was having a full meltdown just like right before we started and then she she just stopped if you'll if you guys uh notice she literally just stopped her meltdown thank you uh rika um so uh let's just get started oh and by the way i should also point out um we are all in different locations uh we're recording on devices of like diff that are different um although we all kind of seem to have pretty hardcore devices so i think we're gonna we're gonna sound good but i don't want to make any promises but i think we're gonna sound okay um so if you feel that there's a difference in the show like with the sound quality and stuff like that it's just because coronavirus um so let's get into it with topic number one we, like I said, uh, we're, we're actually all record, recording from New York City. And from what I understand, I don't know. I think shit is a bit more intense here than it is in some other places in the country, um, which makes sense because of our population density. Um, and in the last, I mean, literally like two days, the Trump administration has finally seemed to turn a corner on um, what it is, what coronavirus is, and the and the threat that it ch- – poses to us um did you do you think that he struck the right tone um how how was how was the administration's response struck you confusing i mean i have been yes so confusing (laughs) (laughs) confusing sarah tell us why it's confusing uh, because I don't know what the response is. I, there's been 16 independent uh, responses just from Trump alone in the past week. Never mind the confusion between uh, Dr. Fauci and the CDC team and Steve Mnuchin saying that there's going to be 20 percent unemployment and then uh, his PR person doubling back on that statement. I mean, it's it's confusing. Um I personally have found the most comfort in uh, listening to actual leaders uh, like our governor (laughs) Cuomo, who did a great interview on the daily this morning. Um, And heck, even Bill de Blasio. Tell us about that. Tell, tell me what you thought of that interview. What, what kind of, um, what kind of leadership message were you getting from, from Cuomo that made you feel good? Well, you know, it was sobering. He didn't pull any punches and he talked about exactly what um, we're likely to face in terms of hospital overages, um, the financial devastation that the state and the city is going to experience, um, but also had a hopeful message that this isn't the first time we've been through this. 
Um, you know, we as a people have survived things like this. And while it's going to be bad, we're doing this all to um, with the shared goal of uh, continuing life on Earth. And I think that's really good. And that really, <laughs> that really was a great message in the end, um, which we're not getting from uh, uh, up top at the federal government right now. I, too, have been so grateful for um, leaders like Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio for acknowledging in a lot of the public statements they've made. Yes, I know this is an intensely draconian measure that we're putting in place. None of us is doing this willingly. We're not trying to make your lives terrible. But this is as serious as anything we as uh, people in our modern lives have ever confronted, and you should be looking at it at such as such. And we don't use this language lightly. Like just the willingness to drop the political song and dance that usually goes along with these kinds of statements has a been really welcome, and b stood in such stark contrast to the fire hose of nonsense coming from behind the podium at the White House, where it's like, oh, well, you know, it'll be over soon. Okay, fine, it won't be over soon, but we're doing a great job with it. Okay, fine, it's way more serious than we realized, and um, but we're going to send you money, don't worry. Wait, we're not even sure we have a plan for that yet. Yeah, that that has been really confusing, and, and um, you know, and I think that what's interesting is, like, this thing has really come, the, like, leadership has come in phases. I mean, I heard the press conference, most of the press conference today, and... It started out with like, we'll just rec- like lightly recommend that people work from home. But then you had people like Devin Nunes saying, still go out to restaurants. Um, but then, you know, so then we sort of look to, and this is where where the, I think the whole notion of leadership is sort of hilarious because I think once, you know, the NBA canceled its season and South by Southwest canceled and then Tom Hanks announced he was in, uh, infected. That's when we were like, oh, um, President Tom Hanks is really sending a message to America. You know what I mean? And and I think um, what, so that was kind of like phase one where we were being led crazily by the private sector um, who whose primary interest is money, not health, except for in this instance, they were literally, you know, they were being better leaders, I think, than than obviously than the Trump administration. Um, and then, you know, and, and, if, and I think we're in New York, I, I do feel sort of lucky because I do feel like de Blasio and Cuomo are re, do, are doing really well. Um, they are in constant contact with the people. Um, there's we have press conferences that we can look to all the time. They say concrete things. They say them sternly. They don't sugarcoat them. But at the same time, they don't want people to panic. I think Governor Cuomo had a nice um, moment, which we'll talk about later, uh, where he said, you know, you're not uh, in uh, what's it called shelter in place you should go to the park and have a walk and make sure that you're six feet apart from anybody else you know so there is um so we have been kind of getting that and I, I do think that it's sad to get it from local leaders and not from the federal government and I think it's sad to hear Trump say things like because he has no personal discipline say things like um yeah respirators ventilators all the equipment um Try getting it yourselves. I'm quoting him. Try getting it yourselves. And that is the kind of thing where, like, don't say those things out loud. There's, like, better ways of saying that. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. That's the kind of thing that just fucking, it it just sounds like people are on their own. And if we really want to 
for, to operate at scale. And operating at scale doesn't mean the heft of New York State. It means the heft of the federal government, right? Um, yeah. Well, can I, can I offer something else on, the, on that vein, too? Please. I think one of the things that is maddening at an even deeper level, separate from just the day-to-day terror of living through something like this, is the abject racism and fear-mongering about... Uh, and and, um, displacement of blame that Donald Trump has been doing by saying like, oh, well, it's really the fault of previous administrations for the way they didn't set us up well for this or calling it the the Chinese virus or whatever he said. And in contrast with that, you have de Blasio and Cuomo, who, if you follow New York politics at all, you know, they hate each other. (laughs) Right. Those two guys are not friend. The animus between the two of them, it runs very, very deep. And at least so far, it seems like they have been willing to do what, again, leaders are supposed to do and put that stuff to the side in the name of keeping the citizens that they're responsible for alive. I think that's absolutely right. And I actually thought the exact same thing when I was watching like some press conference that it does feel like the the vitriol with which they normally like kind of talk about each other or about what the state is doing versus what the city's doing and all that stuff where you can mm-hmm. read between the lines and see the hate. Um, we haven't been seeing that. This thing is so much bigger than that. Let's talk about a little bit um, the, you know, the economic piece of this. Uh, so Mnuchin came out yesterday. By the way, we're taping on a Wednesday. We normally tape on a Thursday. Today's a Wednesday. Um, Mnuchin came out yesterday saying that he would, that Americans were going to get checks, um, I don't know what the, the size of these checks, even as of this morning, I think there was still, conf- I, I, don't, I, I mean, I still don't know. Um, so <laughs> basically, what do you think about just getting a check? <laughs> and <laughs> just Americans getting checks. I think it's great. I mean, I, I honestly think, and it's been said before, but I am so glad that all of these, what seemed like, three weeks ago, pie-in-the-sky liberal progressive Mm. policies are now at least being introduced to the public as an option. Um, And I, I, I mean, I myself was saying a month ago, like, Yang's policies are to, are like 50 years in the future. And now suddenly, I was just going to say Yang. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am like, all right, this is real. So, I, you know, I don't want to be looking for silver linings everywhere this early in the game. But I, I do think that it's it's cool that this is being <laughs> being brought up in a discussion might happen. Right. Uh, Democratic socialism, you guys. Is it happening? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, when I was reading a a piece by Andrew Ross Sorkin in the Times today, and he said, because one of the things that's happening is that, like, the... It, various industries are coming to the White House and saying we need a bailout or whatever. We need to discuss a bailout. For example, the airline industry is fucked. The cruise line industry is fucked, right? Um, and what what is your initial reaction when you hear that in particular industries might be bailed out? I mean, I, I think it's honestly such a... I mean, I, I'm hesitant to use the word sad because, as Sarah was just saying, it is obviously a very good thing for this policy to go forward in this moment. But zooming out ever so slightly, it feels like such a sad commentary on the way that what it, what it takes to make people in power realize the wisdom of these actually very rational 
forward-thinking progressive mm-hmm. policies because one of the most amazing parts about this this bailout check thing is that you've seen all these Republican senators, arch-conservative people who you would think would be dead set against this saying, yep, obviously under the circumstances, it would make sense to do this. And what they mean by under the circumstances is, oh, all of a sudden, my people at my level of income that are are in danger of really getting washed out here. My re-election chances are in danger of getting washed out here. So now all of a sudden this makes sense to me. Once the stock market's in danger, once, you know, industry with a capital I broadly speaking is in trouble, then we're willing to consider these things. And so in a way that's heartening, like if you can just get their attention economically, they're willing to consider these ideas and it gives the lie to the idea that they're pu- it gives the lie to their typical pushback on this stuff, which is, oh, it's completely impractical. We couldn't possibly. <laughs> right, right, right. It's more just that it's like, well, what? <laughs> there's nothing in it for me to look out for my fellow human beings until yeah, there is. And, right. I think th- th- I'll, I'll just say really quickly that I think the, the funny thing about all of this is it's sort of it's a wake up call for people who dislike government th- that, hey, this is what government does. This is why you want it around, right? Like, it's such a huge fucking big giant in your face fucking example of that. You know what I mean? And in that sense, yeah. it, it kind of, it, it again, don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to find silver linings everywhere, <laughs> but like, that is a silver lining of like, this is what it is. This is fucking government. And we felt this way in during World War II, during the WPA, during the Great Depression, when we needed government to make some of these choices and to and to figure it out um, at scale. We needed government to do that. And that is exactly what's happening here. And the other big learning moment that I think is happening right now, which I think is super hilarious, is that business is also realizing oh, we can't function as business with a capital B unless there are people uh, around to give us their money. We And we need for them to have money and we need for them to be functional and healthy uh, members of society. And that way we can have business. You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> so I think um, hopefully business leaders are like, oh yeah, bailouts to people are going to trickle up fucking trickle up Mm -hmm. to us Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and that's how it really works it doesn't work with trickle down it literally works by trickling up uh sarah yeah what i was going to say was we even with this this paradigm shift i think a lot of ideological assumptions that we've made in the past are going to have to change right like even uh, asking the question of whether a bailout is good or bad that made sense in 2008 when uh, the financial industry was the cause of the financial crisis. Of course, in this case, like it, we can't really blame the airlines for this. This was just a shitty thing that happened. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and so like we have to look at bailouts a little bit differently than the kind of like rhetoric we've been using um, for good reason in the past decade. OK, you know what? We're going to end it there because we're going to continue talking about coronavirus <laughs> so let's just take a quick break we'll hear about our sponsors um we love and then when we come back we'll keep talking about coronavirus 
This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. 
Eat stress-free this spring with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Folks, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I tried other services that I was displeased with. And then a neighbor of mine was trying Factor. I had pulled them aside in the hallway and I was like, what are you feeling about this Factor? And they were like, it is delicious. You should definitely do it. So then me and my husband did it and we loved it. They are chef-prepared meals that arrive to your door, and then in two minutes, you could be eating them. Like, it's so simple, and they're actually delicious. And for people like me who just sometimes, my schedule can be so maniacal between traveling in different cities and, you know, doing stand-up gigs. It's like I just don't have a typical schedule where I can plan, set aside time for cooking and all that stuff. So something like Factor really helps for me. The other thing that I love to do is try not to eat carbs. (laughs) So they have a keto option, which is fantastic. It's super delicious. They use premium ingredients. You can get stuff with like filet mignon and shrimp and truffle butter and broccolini and asparagus, right? Like real ingredients. They're no fuss, no mess meals. Um, They eliminate the hassle of having to prep. They're tailored to your schedule. Um, You can customize your weekly meals. Uh, with flexibility, you can pause or reschedule. I've actually done that. I've pa- both paused and rescheduled. Um, Factor is basically your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. And look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should head to factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 and use the code fakethenation50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code fakethenation50 at factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. And we are back, you guys. Um, I, ju- I wanted to ask you guys uh, that about the administration's official position on testing. So the current official position on testing is that only people with symptoms should get tested. Um, that we are not doing what South Korea did and has been doing, which is to test everybody. Um, what do you think of that position? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> How it really made dumb it sound is like it? I had more shit to say. <laughs> On a scale of fucking dumb to really fucking dumb. How fucking dumb is it? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't understand. Where do you stand on that, Sarah? <laughs> this is the fucking dumbest thing. This is the number one dumb fucking thing we did or didn't do rather two months ago and are continuing the dumb fucking thing. This is the only thing that would meaningfully stop what is happening without having to shut down our entire economy. And yet we cannot, we are no longer in a position to do that. So yeah, that's, that's my take. Sam. Yeah. I'm just going to disagree with the group and say that I think it's brilliant. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) This is, it's obviously one of the things just to go back to what we were talking about a moment ago about 
what this says about the role of government in American life is this also gives the lie to the frequent conservative talking point that government bureaucracy moves so slowly. Like the fact that within the space of a week, we have gone at the federal level from denying there's even really a problem to being ready to send out presumably multiple thousand dollar checks to literally every citizen in the entire country. (laughs) When you put it like that, it really sounds like something has changed. Yeah. And it, you know, it really suggests that when it is in the interest of the government to do something that is best for its citizens, it is able to mobilize with incredible speed and pretty remarkable efficiency. And the idea that we can't do that with testing everybody uh, is absurd on its face from a resource standpoint. But it also seems like no thought has been given to the amount of, I think, comfort that it would give people Mm. to, because broad-based testing, most, the vast majority of people would receive those tests and they would think, great, I'm not sick. And that means that I don't have to be existing in a constant state of panic. Maybe I can pivot my attention to doing some things to help in whatever way healthy people can help in this time. And I I can remove this psychological layer of fear of death from what is already an intense time when I'm confined to my home. You know, my feeling is... You know, because I was thinking like, oh, when they roll out the vaccine, how's that going to go? And then I was like, oh, they should clearly do it by age and like the eldest people get vaccinated first and blah, blah, blah. I just was I was just having like a little thought experiment. And in this case, I wonder if there should also just be every I mean, you know, we, we don't necessarily want a bunch of, you know, 60 plus people like walking in the streets to get tested or whatever. But like, I wonder if there's some age component, you know, what we're also seeing is we still maybe don't have the capacity that South Korea has um, in testing everybody. Like, um, you know, we still haven't necessarily, you know, I just saw a push notification that, that the, that the, the U S army is deploying a ship or the Navy or whatever is deploying a ship. That's a hospital ship to come to to the New York city um, Harbor and do a bunch of testing and, and have isolation units and all of that stuff there, which is fantastic. But that's like, you know, again, like we're still figure. I, I think we three as panelists are still just seeing what it is that we're, that the federal government is willing to do. We still don't know. And I think um, if there is really some capacity of testing issue, then maybe there, maybe it could be, you know, separated by age. I don't know. I'm just talking shit. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, I just don't, I do, I agree that testing would make people feel better. Testing would get the panic out of our systems a little bit more. Testing might free up some people to go volunteer for shit that needs volunteering. I don't know. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there are, there are a lot of benefits um, to testing that could uh, impact other areas as well. So I hope we do get to the point where we're just testing everybody. Um, Totally. And this makes me think a little bit about a talking point that comes up oftentimes in the very tragic aftermath of mass shootings, which is there's always this conversation about, well, we need these this massive new slate of regulations. And people say, well, it would not be practical to implement that. And it would undoubtedly, you know, end up eroding certain rights and blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, the typical and to me, the song pushback, and dance. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, the pushback to that is always great. But let's at least try something. Let's at least see if we can make some amount of progress here. And even if 
broad-based, you know, universal testing under the circumstances isn't feasible to implement. The idea that we could just exponentially increase the number of people who have access to testing, yeah. even if we can't successfully hit the target of getting everybody tested, would be so so comforting to people and would help so much with this idea of flattening the curve. And it's so interesting that you raised that point about the push notification about, you know, the, the the, oh, they're going to bring a barge yeah. into the harbor and, and there will be improvised isolation chambers there. The signals that we're getting feel very, it's like every day, it's, it's like you get this signal from the government, like, hey, we have a cool new idea that might be helpful. And it's like, awesome. Are you actually going to be able to implement that? Did you think of it yesterday? Or, you know, is there going to be a website that people can go to and figure out where they're going to get tested? Or is this just a talking point? Um, and the idea that we can't, that there, that there is, it, it seems like these policies are being developed on a sort of off-the-cuff basis without any actual plan for implementation does not do a whole lot for my optimism. Right, like for us as citizens, I think I, I think that's an excellent point because I mean one of the things I think is frustrating about how the administration is handling handling this, and again, I I do want to give credit where credit is due. We have finally heard some solemnity from up top. Uh, it's you know we're we're actually hearing some ideas like that's good. You know that they're actually taking this seriously, but. Um, I feel like we're getting these fragments of information. Like Americans are going to get checks. Um, okay, like what? Who? <laughs> what? Do I fill out a PDF and email it to some? Like, how, it's like th- the way that the PR machine is handling getting this information out because it almost it. It's funny because the checks thing almost just creates more panic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, without actual real like just like information, and maybe it doesn't. Maybe it maybe it makes everybody feel better because they're like, oh, I don't know any of the details, but some sort of a check may be coming to me. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know. I feel like that's just additional crazy uncertainty. So I just I feel like uh where's Olivia Pope? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She needs to fucking get in there and fucking yeah. put some discipline on how this administration is handling the spin. Um let's talk about uh everyone's favorite subject, social distancing. Um how are you I mean, let's just Initial gripes about social distancing. Have you seen resistance to it? Have you yourself been a little resistant to it? What do you feel? As an introvert, I've been having a great time. Um, <laughs> however, as late as late as like last Wednesday, someone went in for a hug, um, and I was like, "Wow, I didn't know we were still doing that." So that was a little shocking. Uh, but I'm I'm mm. all about the social distancing. The only sport I'm playing is tennis now. Um, it's great. Uh, tennis is a great sport for for this day and age. Um, but that's actually a brilliant idea. I did not think about that. Yeah, don't steal my court. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you know, personally, I can work with this. You know, I've got my my uh, my partner who I can at least touch, um, so I won't like die like a a, a, a baby um, or something like that. That's kind of dark. Um, but yeah. I clearly I, I, yeah thanks for bringing the image of a dead baby yes. into the podcast that's what we brought you on here for Sarah uh, you really yeah, served yeah. it up I'm killing I'm killing with the jokes today uh but yeah uh 
I definitely have noticed that um, the the old friends from high school who are, you know, uh, across the nation are not so into the social distancing thing and are not taking this so seriously. And I don't think there's any amount of yelling one can do online to, to make them believe that this is what they should be doing. Can it? Okay. Can you, Sam, put yourself in the in the shoes of someone who might be living in a suburb or might be living in a small town and sort of understand, you know, wh- how it is they're looking at this? I think for New Yorkers, we're just like feet away from other people at all times and not just mm-hmm. one other person. We're f- like, if you break down my apartment wall, there's like a guy sitting on the other side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're so yeah. <laughs> close, right? To like people. So I think we are g- feeling it kind of acutely. And also, you know, our, our fucking restaurants and bars are close. Like everything's, cl- it's just, it's, it's crazy on the mm-hmm. streets of New York because it doesn't feel like New York city. Um, yeah. But if you're living in a small town you might have a different perspective what do you think sam absolutely well first i just want to say i I just had this image of us actually breaking through your wall and finding the person on the other side also recording a podcast (laughs) (laughs) it's just a block Uh, of podcasts happening here oh no east village (laughs) i know it's like the new corona corona job right right um but yeah, I actually can definitely empathize with someone in that environment who is questioning the the wisdom of of social distancing and that's because I think I've been having this this odd kind of um exp- emotional experience with it where um as somebody who has been training for this moment my entire life as a full-blown hypochondriac, I think oh, really? the oh, big time. Nice. Big time. Like we're talking about like had trouble changing in high school gym level hypochondriac. Um, and I feel like there's like a, I feel like there's like a solo show in you about all about <laughs> just that. At least, at least there's some like poetry, a couple of sonnets. Yes. If, if I could convince myself to um, interact with other humans at a theater. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I, I think because of that, I have always had a very Mad Max view of what a pandemic would look like, which is the second it was determined that there was some kind of pandemic happening, I'm envisioning myself with like dusty goggles on and like a Apache scarf wrapped around my head and, you know, a, a <laughs> right. bindle over my shoulder, like making my way through like the poisoned air. Right. And it has been really good for me. You know, I'm being responsible about social distancing, of course, but it has been really good for me at various points throughout this to just go outside and walk around the block a little bit, to um, take a walk through the park and remind myself that it's not as though all of the, there's toxicity in every molecule of the air. And every time the wind blows, you're taking your life in your hands by inhaling. Um, And I think it's much easier for me to do that in New York because there are still people out on the streets. Yeah. There are still delivery trucks coming. It 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 still looks somewhat like normal yeah, life. Yeah, there, Whereas yeah. if you're living in more of a remote place, I think it could start to feel apocalyptic much more quickly. Um, I, you know, it's it's in, again. I I mentioned that moment from Cuomo about going to the park, um, and and but but stay six feet apart from others. Uh, we saw there was like a, 
a viral, some viral images out of Clearwater, Water, Florida, where a bunch of people were packed on a sandy beach. Um, what what are those people thinking? <laughs> I mean, they also may be a part of the politicization of the virus. And also they're spring breakers who are just like 19 and they don't think it affects them. You know what I mean? Well, have you guys noticed at all for yourselves um, how your own political leanings and allegiances have played into who you're willing to listen to in the midst of all this? Because I have to admit, I definitely started taking social distancing much more seriously after AOC tweeted about it. And I thought, now she is somebody who would not say that so definitively unless it was really, really important. I should really heed what she's saying. And I'm sure there are many people, you know, that decision is purely motivated by the fact that I agree with almost all of her policies. Um, and I'm sure that same phenom- phenomenon is going on for people at every point on the spectrum. Yeah. Sarah, did that happen for you? Yeah, and I was going to say earlier, like, I'm actually kind of glad that Tom Hanks and people like Idris Elba have been announcing that they have coronavirus because I yeah. think that mm-hmm. is, it's stupid, but you know, we're all simple creatures. And like, if Idris Elba has coronavirus, like, I'm going to take this more seriously even if it's not true. I don't care. <laughs> that would be a brilliant misinformation campaign, actually. But yeah, I mean, and a lot of, even even more beyond that, like, you know, our broad political ideology may skew more toward freedom and independence rather than like the great, doing, sacrificing for the greater good. Um, and you might find a few more of those uh, independent people in Florida on a beach on any given day. Um, it's just going to happen. They're just less likely to make a sacrifice for um, for the greater good. That's the greater good. That's uh, where they are. They may not uh, agree with it if you accused them of it, um, but but you know their actions speak louder than words. Uh, yeah. By the way, I think isn't it Idris Elba? <sighs> yeah. Sorry. Again, it's oh, the, you're doing some weird the, like Scottish pronunciation. <laughs> I, Silva. I don't know where that came <laughs> um, from. Again, dead babies, and, mispronunciations. <laughs> I'm fine. And I know I I feel and I know I've said this on the podcast before, but I'm gonna say it again. But he did one of my favorite songs of 2019. It's called Boasty, and you should fucking listen to it. It's with Id- Idris Elba and Sean Paul, and it's fucking fantastic. And if you did not know that Idris had these kinds of skills, now you're gonna know. Um, Wait, while we're while we're talking about pronunciation yes. can i state an insecurity that i'm currently being consumed by please um which is a moment ago when i was talking about the scarf on my head i meant to say a patchy scarf as in a scarf with patches not a patchy scarf um <laughs> mm. okay. i just want to make that very clear thank you thank you uh that would have eaten you alive and i'm glad you cleared it yeah. up for everybody <laughs> oh it's still it still will don't oh, worry gotcha. but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you're still over you're still done because of it okay this is my last question on this um China, South Korea, and Israel using like really sophisticated surveillance data to be able to track people who were infected. Should we be doing the same? I think it's kind of a moot point at this point. It makes it makes it really easy for me to avoid the ethical question because we're so far behind <laughs> on just the baseline of, of testing and, and having enough equipment that like it's a non-issue. Um, I'm kind of glad be- that I don't have to say like should... 
should I sacrifice all of my freedom um, for the safety of everyone, right? Like, that's what we're looking at when we see China. Like, what they're doing is absolutely draconian. Of course it works, um, but, uh, you know, how can we as a country preserve our constitutional freedoms while also exercising um, the most unification uh, and organization possible? I don't know. That's my bullshit answer. (laughs) Sam, do you have a bullshit answer? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have a I have a tinfoil hat answer, <laughs> um, which is <laughs> that I guess I'm I given our country's record on surveillance, which is to publicly admit that we're doing it well after we have started doing it. Mm. I'm not entirely convinced that there is not some amount of it already happening, which I realize is a sort of a, a bold statement to make in an environment where people are already plenty paranoid about things. But, you know, it seems like in other countries, there has at least been this sheen of social benefit applied to it, which is that you're getting a pop-up message that on the one hand, yes, reveals like deeply personal information about a fellow citizen that they might not want revealed, but it's at least ostensibly under the guise of saying, Hey, there's a person in your vicinity that has coronavirus. You might want to be careful. Um, I don't trust the United States government to implement any kind of program like that at scale um, in any sort of effective way. I mean, even when people we, um, you know, even when people we probably all are more aligned with are in charge, we still can't figure out how to make a healthcare website work. And the idea of deploying, um, some kind of, I don't know, text message system related to location-based right, right, phone right. positioning and stuff, it, it feels like it would tend towards much greater hysteria than it would actually make people Help. feel better. Right. I mean, right, Trump, right, right. Trump almost had Chris Christie run a task force. I don't think he's capable of uh, elaborate mass surveillance <laughs> that he would like. <laughs> um Right. I like, I mean, but in, in general, I, I mean, it, I think, again, it is a bull. It's like a forces us not to really reckon with the ethics of it. But I think it's true that it would be the, the task at hand is already too difficult for the administration that we've got. So we just need them to focus on that. Uh, and yeah. that is provide testing, provide bridge loans or pay it just money, just money to people and uh, keep everyone alive. That's really what we need to focus on is keep everyone alive. Um, I wanted to end this segment by asking you guys if there's anything you've come across um, that uh, that people can do. A lot of us are sitting in our homes and we're healthy and we want to figure out how we can help people who um, might be elderly or, you know, just in in other situations that we you know that we can help. So, did you guys have any ideas? For me personally, I've just been Venmoing people directly, but um I think um you know, at least uh, under the banner of reductors or using really any kind of like platform that you have to um raise money, do some kind of online entertainment uh that's donation based like through Bandcamp or something like that. Um, and redistributing those funds to freelancers in need um, is one thing that I feel like I can do. Um, but I'm sure there is a lot more 
stuff um yeah and and if and people are interested like you know i'm a part of the freelance community i'm also part of the you know screen actors guild um the union and and what the screen actors guild is asking is for people to call their representatives and ask them to include um uh, you know actors and other artists into these financial packages that are coming out the problem with a lot of the stuff we do like the three of us is that it's not covered in any of the institutional um like pa- what is what is the word i'm looking for the like the institutional categories that they normally address, right? right. Um, and 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 they're right now they're kind of more looking at people that are a part of the gig economy, and for them that means the U- Uber and Lyft and all of those um, all of those folks who desperately need help and need help more than me. Um, but oftentimes, what we're kind of not covering is these artists that are you know what make a living uh doing it like like we do uh for whom everything has been canceled <laughs> and <laughs> and when i asked earlier is like if there's any you know how you're handling it i you know honestly i was kind of like i've been sort of like relatively zen about this whole thing kind of taking it day by day um i had a cancellation this morning though and i you know, it's not like I didn't know more cancellations were coming, but this is just the one cancellation that put me over the fucking edge. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean, and I, <laughs> I just started like, uh, like ugly crying. You know, alone in my home, nobody saw. Um, but I also, you know, when I was speaking to someone else who I have like a professional relationship with, my voice cracked because of a cancellation. You know what I mean? And uh, again, I'm. I do. I'm doing so much better than than so many, so many, so many Americans or whatever. But I do think, you know, there's there's artists out there that really, really live paycheck to paycheck. And by paycheck to paycheck, I mean they don't have paychecks. It's like they work on a random <laughs> gig. They like live on that money for a little while. They wait for the next random gig. You know what I mean? It's um, it's uh, it's not an easy way of living without a pandemic (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then those are also people those are also your waiters that don't have so it's like um the i think a lot of people in the artist community are just being double hit because their uh their day job as waiters or whatever those are gone um and then their actual careers are also temporarily on hold so um it's a tough time so i think that's a really great point sarah sam did you have something that you were focusing on I would enthusiastically second everything that that both of you all just said. Um, I think the visibility around how difficult this is for people who don't get a paycheck every two weeks is it, it's so important to raise that visibility, especially because at the policy level, um, federally, and presumably this is going to happen at the state level too. That's the that's the patch they always try to put in place is like, oh, yeah. well, we just need to cover the fact that you're going to miss two paychecks. And if you work freelance, sometimes you get one paycheck that is enough to cover you for two months. four months later, you get another paycheck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's going very quickly to no paychecks for four months. And that's really dark. Um, I think the only thing I would add is that I have been trying really hard to use this as a time to call people on the phone and like whether it's family members or friends who I ordinarily have a more texting relationship with and actually get in touch with them, ask how they're doing, ask what they need, especially if they live in a place that is not New York City. Mm. Because I think just for 
my own um, emotional well-being. It's good for me to know that people are safe. It's good for me to know what the actual scene on the ground in other places is. But beyond just knowing that they're safe and getting some human connection, sometimes those conversations can also lead to a realization like, oh, well, these folks in my community actually started a fund for all the actors who are out of work and they're accepting donations. So if you could send them 15 bucks, that would make a really huge difference. And I wouldn't have known about that in any other way than had I just used this as a time to refresh my human connection with people in a time when we can't literally make human connection. Yeah, and I, I think that's I, I think that's really good. And then I, I um, you reminded me I wanted to to clarify what I was saying earlier. SAG after is asking people to call their representatives and to let them know to include SAG um, union members uh, who all of the TV shows that you're watching, all of those productions have been halted. All of just uh, you know every comedian's gig has been halted. Everything is done. <laughs> you know all of our li- you know the livelihood of for so for so many in our community is just really at a standstill. So um, calling your representative and at least asking for um, them to consider, you know, the union SAG after union members. That would be fantastic. But I also wanted to point out, check out invisiblehandsdeliver.com. This might just be for New York City. They're delivering go- groceries for the most at-risk population of COVID-19. Um, that's, you know, the elderly. Uh, so so please um, look at that. They may just be New York City or they may have divisions and other states in other places. They might be developing in other places. Um, if you look at Facebook, this has actually been, you know, I poo-poo Facebook all the time, but it's actually fe- being really good right now and connecting people. There's in my neighborhood, there's a volunteer uh, page and I've been able to find um, some volunteer opportunities on there um, that mostly involve picking up groceries for uh, picking up groceries or picking up free lunches for people who need them. The other thing that I've noticed is that local food banks are really suffering because local food banks get a lot of their volunteers from the elderly and the elderly are obviously the ones that shouldn't be doing anything right now. So um, check in with your local food bank and see what kind of help they need. If you're healthy and you can lend a hand um, and there's a safe way to do it, uh, you know, please consider doing it. Um, also, yeah, there, there's an organization called Fuji's Family and I'm in, this is still in, I think, in, in the infant stages, but they might be looking for um, people to translate. Uh, they, they basically... Um, provide food for children of refugee families. And a lot of those families um, don't read um, and they don't speak English. And so they're looking for people to translate a lot of these press conferences we're getting or some, some of these press conferences into those languages. So um, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I just saw a post about this. I don't know at what stage this is in. Um, So maybe check out Fuji family, uh, their website, Um, Fuji's family. That's the the website. Um, and also is there, and you know, just in terms of like, I, I it's like, I, I wonder if there's some sort of phone banking for like checking in on elderly, you know what I mean? In your neighborhood, if there isn't, I, I wish there was one. Um, maybe the people of Fake the Nation know of something and they can let me know. Um, because that seems like, uh, I don't know. Um, Sometimes, one of the things that concern me, I have an, um, an aunt in Iran who's in long-term care and she's very isolated and it just, um, it just scares the shit out of me because her isolation is, um, you know, something that someone in long-term care, uh, is, is, is handling very difficult, you know, with great difficulty. And, uh, 
Yeah. So all of those things, guys, people of Faith Nation, let me know whatever your ideas are. Please tell me. I will share them on on um, in the Internet and then I will also uh, mention them on the show, um, you know, and uh, I'll, I'll just do what I can. Uh, all right, guys, let's move on to topic number three. Tuesday saw Florida, Illinois, and Arizona primaries, all of which Joe Biden won. Ohio postponed their primary because of health concerns. Um, other states were talking about postponing their primaries. Um, before we get into those, what what did you make of Biden's wins uh, on Tuesday? Pretty unexpected. I mean, uh, expected. Pretty expected. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no real um, big surprises at this point, I think. Um you know, as much as I support Bernie and his policies, like uh, there's no more room for the kind of magical thinking that, um, you know, anyone other than Biden is going to take this nomination. And I mean, I personally am just uh, hoping that he continues to uh, adopt uh, more progressive policies like taking on Warren's uh, bankruptcy bill, um, Bernie's college, part of Bernie's college, college plan and, and other things like that. Yeah, actually, was really heartened by that because we saw in the uh, in the debates, you know, I meant that they they pointed out that he took on Elizabeth Warren's bankruptcy plan, and uh, and you know, and my joke for that was that she's the person you cheat on in class, like you know what I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. like take cheat on her some more, <laughs> cheat from her some more, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like copy that test because um, she's got a lot of great ideas, and uh, and so I was it was really hard, and I also and I said this last week, but it kind of speaks to how nimble he is. He is not an ideological purist, you know? He is willing to move and sway with what he, what people um, are, are uh, you know, siding with. Sam, what did you, what do you think of these wins? Yeah, I, I also was not terribly surprised by Biden's victories uh, and am also dismayed but coming to terms with the fact that it seems pretty inevitable that he's going to be the nominee but in addition to what you were saying about this these very positive signs of malleability in the progressive direction that he has shown over recent weeks um another thing that has been exciting to me even though it was verging on irresponsible from a health standpoint is that under the circumstances it seems like the turnout in the primaries was still fairly impressive, um, both the the early voting and people showing up. And as we know so well, high turnout benefits Democrats. Um, And we had been seeing that trend definitively in the pre-coronavirus primaries. But the fact that those trends held under the circumstances is sort of uncanny. And to me suggests that if there is this groundswell of support behind Joe Biden and that is our best chance to get policies like free public college and bankruptcy reform and and can lead to things like him publicly declaring in a debate before the primary is even over that he will pick a female vice presidential candidate. What do you think of that um, moment? <laughs> it was complicated, I suppose. I mean, it. It, 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 you know, and sorry for listeners, def- for listeners who might not know what we're talking about. Uh, he he said um, in the in the last debate that he would pick a black 
woman to be on the uh, Supreme Court. And he added that he would pick a woman uh, for sure to be his running mate. Uh, They then asked Bernie if he would do the same. And Bernie sort of said, basically, yes, um, but it's more important for me that that person be a progressive woman. Uh, So sorry, continue, Sam. Oh, well, I mean, it it was it it was an odd moment to watch because I certainly, as somebody who supported Elizabeth Warren all through the primaries until she dropped out, it raised my hopes that perhaps she could still find her way onto the ticket, even if it's not in the way that I would have preferred it to be. It is also slightly weird for, I suppose, Joe Biden to just say it will be it will be a woman in in the sense that it it seemed like he was trying to get points for right feminism without actually investing in feminist you know, principles feminist principles exactly but it did seem like for someone of his generation it was more than perhaps i would have expected in that moment and is something that i was hoping for him to do anyway were he to become the nominee so it I think it was net net positive, even if there were some uncomfortable. Yeah, it's funny it. because I was like, "No shit, motherfucker! You better be getting a yeah. fucking running mate who's a woman." Like, that's not even that hasn't even been a question for me. <laughs> like, of course, you're five hundred years old and you're a fucking old white guy. Like, obviously, you need to have a. But I was like, I mean, thanks for clarifying, right? Um, yeah, but- no, this, this is like the, the equivalent of like having a, a, a shitty husband being like, "I put the clothes in the dryer." Where's my right. applause? Like, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, were you, were you, yeah, were you moved at all by that, Sarah? Did it change? I mean, are, did it make you feel better? I, I'm, a, I'm imagining you're not a Biden person to begin with, are you? Not a huge fan, but you know, I'm working with it. I'm malleable. Right, right. No, exactly, uh, exactly. You're building the fire. <laughs> no, I mean, of course, of, it's just like, of course, you should choose a woman. I mean, the fact that we're still living in a world where just saying that can get applause pisses me off to no end. Um, I mean, there technically wasn't applause because oh, it was right, an right, empty audience. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> p- pundit but applause. But you're talking about metaphorical applause? Metaphorical yeah. applause. All of us in our basement bunkers um, were clapping. Yeah, 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 yeah. When, like, the, the actual nuts and bolts of it is like, well, depending on which woman he does choose, which my guess would be Kamala or Elizabeth Warren, th- th- that could mean very two very different things um both are yeah, both yeah, yeah, are yeah. good but um you know to pretend like but they the, signify something different exactly yeah. exactly and i think bernie um you know answered pretty fairly considering it was a pretty off-guard question for him um yeah, yeah. well it also indicated maybe you know maybe that he it sounds like biden has vetted a list yeah mm-hmm. right and maybe the here's my big question for you guys and it breaks my heart to even ask it do you think Bernie should drop out of the race? At this point, yes. Uh, I'm really glad he was in that debate. Um, I think that it was, you know, his last chance at uh, having a public forum to explain his policies. But this feels like the point uh, that where it's time to bow out. Um, the the writing's on the wall for him. So anything beyond this would really, I think, do him and his prog- her, his policies a disservice uh, more than anything. Sam. I definitely recognize that, uh, the validity of that, of course. I 
perhaps naively would like to see him stay in for just a little while longer, just because it does seem like his continued presence and the importance to Joe Biden's eventual victory of getting Bernie's coalition on board with Biden as a nominee is so vital. And it, I wonder if there's any more progressive juice to be squeezed out of Biden before Bernie concedes, if it's possible to get him to sign on to, (coughs) excuse me, if it's possible to get him to sign on to just a couple Coughing during a goddamn global pandemic on the mic, you guys. (laughs) That's what just happened. All right. Oh, no. (laughs) Now we all have it. Oh, (laughs) no. Just wait till the podcasting virus comes out. We're all fucked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, Sam, you were trying to make a point before uh, your your audible coughing got in the way. Before I was somehow infected <laughs> through, through a Zoom uh, conference call. Um, no, I just, you know, I, I do wonder if there's any further that uh, Biden can be pushed in the progressive direction by virtue of Bernie's yeah. continued presence in the race. Not for a, an extremely protracted period of time, because it, you know, I, I do feel like ultimately is it is going to be really important for everybody to unify behind presumably Biden as the nominee. But it does seem like this Bernie supporters are recalcitrant enough and resistant enough that Bernie has a bit more leverage left in the tank to try to get some formal commitments from Biden before he formally bows out, particularly given the fact that the attention on the primary has been so decreased recently. Ugh, yeah. It, it gives, I think it gives Bernie one or two more cards to play before he folds. Um, you guys, uh, a couple of things. I mean, you guys said different things, but I agree with both of you. Um, uh, opposite things in some ways. Um, but I think, I mean, I think you're right. Like at this point, the statistical improbability, all that shit. Again, I've been disenfranchised as a New York voter fuck this system. I've been saying that for like several months. Uh, I will continue to say that. Let us fix the primary process. Uh, I'll also mention that Bernie raised $2 million, I think, last weekend. Um, So he's got still some money to burn. So that could keep him in the race, just that one fact Mm -hmm. alone. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think you're right, Sam, that it is um, it is kind of it was the debate felt exciting because it felt like Biden knew he had to make concessions, you know, Mm -hmm. and he knew he had to move to the left. I, I mean, I would love to see what I would love to see is like a nice sit down chat between Biden and Bernie. That's just fucking straight up televised where Bernie's like, (laughs) I, uh, here we go. Uh, this is what I want from you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Add this and this and this to the official Democratic platform in the in you know at the convention, and uh, and and I need to know who your running mate is. And nope, sorry, that mm-hmm. one whoever that is is too moderate, and we and you need to show me another name, you know, or whatever. And uh, I think I would love to just see that play out. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, just, can I TV. get a glimpse into the backroom dealings of these two old men as they eat their corned beef sandwiches? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Jowls flapping <laughs> and hands waving. <laughs> Jowls flapping in the wind is the title of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all right, you guys. Um, the people of Fake the Nation, you think Bernie should drop out? I don't. I just, I'm so sad because I was going to use my... 
um, partially disenfranchised vote uh, of this narrowed down field uh, to vote for him because I couldn't vote for E-dubs. Um, so anyways, let me know what you think. Uh, this is uh, has been the first ever episode of uh, Fake the Nation in the midst of a global pandemic, you guys. Woo! We fucking did it. Yeah. Um, All right. Take off yeah, your Yeah, so that is Woo! the end of the... <laughs> That is the end of the episode. How do you feel? Well, I clearly became infected with coronavirus <laughs> in the course of it. So. <laughs> Other than that, I feel great. But <laughs> um, thank you guys for sharing your ideas on what people can do um, and for your thoughts on all of this. And uh, we're going to keep talking about what we need to talk about here on Fake the Nation. I'm uh, And I'm so curious to know what you guys are thinking, feeling, what you're doing Um to you know i know uh, if you're in this audience uh then you probably are like one of those fans of being a part of the problem i mean no the opposite <laughs> being <laughs> being a part of the solution so i'm so interested to hear what your solutions are um and uh, even if they're like dumb shit cuz by the way guys one of my first i think official um coronavirus um, home activities was to bake a brisket. And uh, just to give you what a big, an idea of what a big deal that was for me, the last like 10 things I baked uh, were salads. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So like I (laughs) don't know anything about cooking. And so for me to like make brisket was a really, was a a feat. Um, So you can also share with me the dumb shit that you might be doing like brisket. Um, So Sarah, uh, I want for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the stuff that you do and, and have some entertainment they can look at during these troubled times. Where do they do that? Uh, you can find me on the Twitters and the Instagrams at yourpapalardo. Um, take a look at reductress.com. Also, uh, if you're bored, we have a new card game that just came out. You can purchase it uh, wherever those are sold or at shop.reductress.com. I love that. I didn't know you guys came out with a card game. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. That's so fun. Yeah. What a great idea. Uh, Sam, where do people get all the stuff that you have to offer? Well, I would love for folks to check out Family Ghosts, my podcast. It is on all of the podcast players, your Apple Podcasts, your Spotify's, your CastBox. That last one sounds like I just made up a podcast (laughs) player, but that is a real podcast player. (laughs) Um, and if I may, I, I humbly think that Family Ghosts is really great quarantine listening. The episodes are each about 45 minutes to an hour long, and it's long-form storytelling. If you are somebody who likes the sort of propulsive and immersive nature of true crime but doesn't like their storytelling to be super exploitive and murdery, I think <laughs> we have something nice to offer you in our feed. Um, um, I, so I, I, I heartily agree with that because I also, I oscillate between wanting to know all the news in the world to wanting to have no news at all whatsoever and just wanting yeah. to hear some sort of story that'll take me out of what I'm thinking into another realm. And it sounds like uh, uh, Family Ghost Stories is um, is exactly that. Yes, that is our hope, at least. Um, All right, you guys. And you know where to find me and all of the internet things. Um, Nagin Farsad on all of your stuffs. And... uh, Oh! What I really want you to do, though, is is don't forget to... um, to uh, sign up for Bonus the Nation. 
Uh, we have new episodes coming out. It's so, it's great. It's fun. It's has nothing to do with coronavirus. Uh, and so, um, and it's a great way to support this particular show um, in this crazy time. So if you have it in you to sign up for Stitcher Premium um, and listen to Bonus of the Nation episodes, uh, we would love that. Um, all right. What I really want to do is thank the production team here at Bake the Nation. They are working so hard from their respective yeah. perches. And I thank them so much. That's our producer, Anita Flores, our audio engineer, Andy Christens. Gabby Alter wrote our theme music. Lily Fleshler helps out with research. Um, Jared O'Connell helped figure out this whole technical ridiculousness that we're now experiencing. And he's so expert and brilliant at doing it. So thank you to Jared and listeners. We love hearing from you. Send us your feedback topics. We should be chatting about guest ideas. You can leave us a voicemail at 347-770-4981 or drop us a line at comments at bakethenation.com. If you like what you hear, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps people find the show. You guys, till next week, thank you and good day. Good day.